Hello and welcome to Pocket Therapist. I'm your host, Dr. Adam Moore, licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm going to teach you everything I've learned over the last 13 years as a therapist to help maximize the value you get out of your relationships. I remember talking to a guy one time, he was probably in his 50s. He told me he'd struggled with depression his whole life, but when he was a kid, no one was even talking about depression. His dad, who had lived through the Great Depression in the United States, only had one piece of advice for him. Just go shovel some dirt and forget about your troubles. Spoiler alert, it didn't work. I think I've been a little sheltered over the last few years. I live in a really well-educated state in the U.S. In Utah, one out of three people over the age of 25 has at least a bachelor's degree. My experience is that people with more formal education are often more aware of the truth about mental health. So pretty much all my family and friends and neighbors, they have what I consider a really healthy view of therapy or counseling. But apparently, there's still a ton of stigma and misinformation about mental illness out there. And I'm just now coming to this awareness by spending some time on social media, of all things. I'm reading comment after ignorant comment about mental illness that I think, you know, I think these comments are really hurting people. I read things like, depression isn't even real, it's just laziness. Or, just get some perspective and you'll snap right out of your anxiety. Or, just decide to have a positive attitude. Wow. Okay, so I guess we have to go back to the drawing board here, people. First of all, I'm not a neuroscientist. I'm not even going to attempt to explain the science or probably even really understand the science behind mental illness. And frankly, I think science in general is still pretty far from knowing what's going on out there anyway. So I'll speak from experience, personal and professional. When I was about five or six years old, my mom noticed that I would have what seemed to be random crying spells. I would cry for no discernible reason. I had no idea why I was sad. I was just sad. Nothing we tried really helped me feel better either. My parents, they didn't know what to do. I don't blame them. Hardly anyone was talking about mental health back then. It was the early 1980s. Prozac didn't even exist yet. I was either extremely lucky or extremely unlucky that I happened to have a really optimistic temperament. I loved to laugh, and I always tried to assume the best about everything. So I learned to cover up the fact that I was also depressed. It actually wasn't until I was finishing my doctorate in marriage and family therapy that I realized that I had a diagnosable mental disorder. It's called dysthymia. It's basically a lower-grade depression that never really goes away, but doesn't keep you from getting out of bed or getting things done most of the time. It's just there annoying you, telling you that things aren't quite right, that people don't really like you, that you're really not good enough but then it still lets you have enough energy to keep trying. It's certainly not worse than a full depressive disorder by any stretch, but it's frustrating because when you're dysthymic, you always think that you're right on the edge of finally being truly happy, but you can't ever actually get there. That describes my whole life up until about five years ago. And trust me, I tried everything I could think of. I tried just focusing on the positive. I tried self-medicating with sugar. I tried achieving all of my goals. I thought marriage and children would fix it. Maybe if I just made a little more money. The fact that nothing was working actually made me feel even more like an emotional failure. And there are people like me everywhere. They're struggling with anxiety, with depression, trauma, impulse control issues, eating disorders, and a whole host of 
real mental health problems that you don't just get to decide you don't want in your life anymore. Mental illness is not a failure to think positively. It's not a sign of personal weakness. It's not just an excuse. There isn't a person on earth who struggles with mental illness and is happy about it. We all wish it would just go away. And if there were an easy solution, I promise you, we would take it. Dealing and healing is a complex process, and it's totally different for every person. I can only tell you what's made a difference for me. So let me walk you through a few things. Number one, awareness and public acknowledgement. Knowing that I have a real mental illness is huge for me. That awareness allows me to accept the reality of what I'm dealing with instead of trying to fight against it all the time. And I tell everyone about it. It doesn't bother me. I find it empowering to tell people. People actually cannot believe that I struggle with depression. I think it really validates other people's experience. Number two, medication. I took 150 milligrams of slow-release Welbutrin for a few years, starting about five years ago. I was totally pro-medication for everyone else before I started taking it, and anti-medication for me. I wanted to solve it on my own with no help. Yeah, right. I fought the idea for a while, but of course my wife, the person I can thank for all the best changes in my adult life, one day said to me, Think of medication as the gift you're giving to those of us who love you. That was all I needed. I went to get a prescription the very next day. Taking medication had a hugely positive impact on me. Life-altering. I weaned off it over the past year because of what I'm about to share next. Number three, a sense of real control. I admit it, I am a control freak. Everyone who knows me knows this about me. I actually had no idea that being employed by large corporations or universities was contributing to my mental health issues. I felt crushed by all the rules, expectations, and oversight. I used to come home from work for lunch and feel deep anxiety the entire lunch break, every day. Being able to work for myself, even though it's literally twice as stressful and time-consuming in many ways compared to having a job, for me, was the best thing that ever happened to my depression. Having full freedom of choice was really big. Number four, therapy. I have seen so many therapists. My most recent one has been the most helpful. I saw him off and on for a good 18 months or so. He didn't have magic powers. It's just that he pushed me to see things that I hadn't considered, and he accepted me for me. For a guy who has never really had enough real male bonding in my life because I'm really different than most guys out there, that was life-changing. Also, therapists aren't supposed to hug their clients, but he always gave me a hug after our appointments, and I kind of loved it. Number five, getting outside myself. Most of my life now revolves around meeting the needs of other people. I help my therapy clients, I help my children, I help my wife, I help my employees. All day, every day, I'm thinking about what other people need. I cannot understate the value of that life approach to my own healing from depression. But guess what? Even with all that, I still have random bouts of sadness that I can't explain. I still get so down that I don't want to do anything. It feels like it happens less often now. I feel much, much better, much more frequently than I used to. But I also accept that I will be the proud owner of a dysthymic disorder for the rest of my life. And that's okay. And it's okay for you to struggle with mental illness as well. 
I'm not saying we have to be happy about it, but we can accept it and do whatever is in our power to live each day to the very best of our ability. And if that mental illness happens to really hamper your ability to live today, I will stand by you. Just make it to tomorrow and you win. Not every painful day leads to another one. And even if you have a bunch of painful days strung together, remember that life is full of change. You just don't know what good thing is coming around the corner. Look, we can't just get over our mental illnesses. It doesn't work like that. We may have to live with them our whole lives, but I choose to find purpose in my problems. Think about it. If I hadn't had to live with depression my whole life, I couldn't have recorded this podcast episode, and then I couldn't have helped you. And just like that, the episode's over. You're now free to move on with the rest of your day. Thank you so much for continuing to tune in, and thanks to the three or four of you that left positive reviews on Apple Podcasts since the last episode. Seriously, I just want to find all of you and give you a big hug. You're the best. I've got some exciting things coming up here in the podcast. I have a bunch of other therapist colleagues that are excited to share with you their own personal interests and expertise in future episodes. So it's getting pretty cool, everybody. I look forward to sharing more with you in the future. Until then.